Hey, welcome to the Two Stock Movies Podcast. I'm Drew. I'm Cam. And we have a very special guest today as we finally got him. We got Drew Britton to join us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We talked uh, about it. What a get. Yeah. You probably don't know this, Drew, but we've actually said, I think, honestly, for a year, we were like, well, one day get Drew Britton <laughs> oh, yeah. on video. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm happy to be here. I really am. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me on. This is exciting. Yeah. Thanks what are we talking, talking about today? Talking about the 1981. Oh, do you have any? Do you have a three? I don't have a three. Okay. I, that's that's enough. Drew being here is enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, we are talking about the 1981 horror fantasy movie, uh, The Evil Dead. It star. It's about. Well, I'll say what it's about. It's about five college. They were in college. Yeah, five college. They look thirty, but they're yeah, young. I'm like they look old as you know, old as dirt. But yeah, maybe I'm just kind of showing my age here. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, five college kids. They go to like a cabin for a weekend, and just. 20 minutes into the movie fucking horror everything just gore just happens so uh it stars bruce campbell ellen sandwich sandwise i also like mess up everyone's name whenever i give any names betsy baker and Teresa tilly and it was directed by sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. Raimi, uh um, and himself so opening thoughts I, I guess I'll i'll start by just like asking drew because i know we invited you on because we know this is one of your favorite movies and would you like to explain kind of why? Well, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my name is Drew. Uh, so, yeah, I work as a professor here in the television video department at Eastern Illinois University. Teach a variety of production courses as well as film studies courses. Um, and then also, yeah, filmmaker by trade as well. So I work primarily in narrative length feature films. And then, uh, yeah. I particularly love horror, obviously. And so, yeah, the evil dead is a big part of that. I think, wait, you said, to, wait, were you going to ask a question? Or <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I was going to ask, like, because uh, I know this is one of your favorite movies. Would you like to explain, like, why? Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, I think especially if you're a filmmaker from a filmmaker's perspective, it just goes to show the incredible things that you can do with the limited resources that you have. I mean, Sam Raimi was no older than 21 when he made this, and it just goes to show how brilliant he is purely based off of his innovation. Yes, you know, you can make criticisms of like the performances and whatnot, but just what he's able to do cinematically with the camera and with no resources that he had and to turn it into what he turned it into is incredible. Not to mention they went, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as we go on, but just the hell that they went through to make this movie and the brutal conditions that they were in and to kind of persevere through that, I mean, just so many people would have just given up and thrown in the towel. I mean, this wasn't like a three-week shoot. This, this took years for them to make because yeah. they had to go back and do all these reshoots that weren't actually in their original location. So I just think there's something really inspiring in um, in that kind of perseverance, and you can really feel that when you're watching. Like You can feel how miserable it was to make this movie and how how just dreadful it must have been being on that set and just, I mean, they really pulled it off. And I, yeah, I don't subscribe too much to like the, um, you know, the kind of Marvel films, right? And superhero films. But especially if you watch like the Spider-Man movies, it's so easy to look at it and be like, oh, I know where this person came from and, mm-hmm. and what they did prior to this. Because like, I mean, if they could do as much as he did with no money, like imagine what he's going to do when they hand him the keys to like Spider-Man. And I know even though I haven't really seen a lot of it, I've seen bits and pieces. I know a lot of people still consider like Spider-Man 2 one of the greatest, if not greatest, like superhero movie, like of all time, mm-hmm. regardless of the fact that it was, you know, 
we're going almost like 20 years, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of the effects are dated, but, and I can't really speak to why that might be, even why people think that way, but I just know that is um, a strong opinion yeah. on a lot of people's behalf. Um, yeah. You, you mentioned how, because uh, I researched a little bit about what they went through when they were making yeah. it. They, because the fact that uh, they were actually staying in the cabin that they shot in the entire time. Right. And I think it was a crew of 13 people. Right. And they said that by the end of it, they were all just so annoyed with each other and they were just ready to get the heck out of there. Right. Yeah. And obviously poor diets on top of that. Like Bruce yeah. Campbell has a really funny line where he was talking about how he's like, you know, six weeks into the shoot, someone showed up and they're like, hey guys, I just discovered this great thing called water. Because he was like, we were just drinking mellow yellow the whole time and just like using whatever, like the only water they had was from the coffee pot and using that to wash their hands. Yeah, it's just absolutely miserable, especially considering the fact that they went down to Tennessee to try to, like, escape the cold, but it actually ended up being one of the coldest records, like, winters on record for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And like we were saying, like, you can easily see that. I mean, there's no, like, um, there's no, like, insulation in the roof. It's just, like, a bare bones. I think they said, Sam Raimi was like, I've never seen a heat evaporate from a place as quickly as it did. Like, they would, you know, have these space heaters, but they were... They, they did nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Because just it was so insanely cold, and that it's a cabin, you know. Yeah, in the eighties. I saw. Oh, what are you saying? Sorry. Uh, adding on to like the brutalities, I guess they went through when they were shooting. I saw that they like had a bunch of injuries going on, and there was no medical staff around, so like they kind of just had to, I guess, suck it up and band aids. Yeah, you know, band aids and oh, yeah. mud. Oh yeah, knocked out teeth. Um, ripped off eyelashes i read yeah ripped off and just like everything they had to do with the contacts is incredible yeah too and and a lot of those actors kind of like swore off the movie when they were done Mm -hmm. and but they didn't think the ironic thing is like they didn't think anything would ever come of this right um they were just doing it purely for the love of making something and i know sam raimi and bruce campbell said they didn't even really enjoy horror movies but they felt like that was their in because you could do it relatively cheap and they were kind of a hot commodity at the time right as they always have been, um, with the exception of some like lulls in history. But um, to use that as kind of like their end, right? You know, I mean, it obviously worked out for them. But to actually have to go through what they went through to make it to that point is just like I don't think many people would be willing to do that. Um, which is great. I mean, that's it's that, and that's part of the reason why I do love the movie is because it is so inspiring in that regard. You know, to say like anytime you're like, oh, well, you know, like. Yeah, if you're feeling uninspired, that certainly will turn things around for you. If you're trying to get something made or and you're using just whatever you can to get that made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I was also going to ask both of you, really. Do you think that, because personally, I think that the reason it's so scary and it has that kind of creepy factor to me, and at least when I watched it initially, is that it looks so authentic. <laughs> like, it, right. you know, they're shooting like on bare bones cameras, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing everything themselves and the place just looks like crap. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll ask both of you. Do you kind of find that because, you know, horror movies look so polished now, right? It looks like it doesn't look grimy anymore unless you're Rob Zombie yeah, who does right. it on purpose. Do, do you think that that helps the movie in that sense of it being a horror movie? Cam, it's all you. I'd say, yeah, I forgot who said it. It was like a horror movie or a scary movie. isn't supposed to be like, it isn't supposed to have good lighting for one. And I think this is like a good, example of that because it obviously looks crappy so it makes it feel makes you feel dirty make me feel dirty watching right. it because i'm seeing all the blood go everywhere and all the dirt and yeah. all like i don't know just like i don't want to say cheap shots but just i, don't, I guess like you said the authenticity of it how like mm-hmm. grimy it was being there so yeah i think so yeah there's blood flying everywhere yeah and like hands coming out of people's yeah it was nowhere. just so 
gory. And I'm just wondering, like, if you were, like, how did this, like, impact the culture if, right. that, like, during that time? Because um, I rem- I don't know what year, you're good at it, what year did uh, original 1981. Car- no, Carrie. Oh, 1976. I'm really good at that, Drew. I know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like right on, boom. Uh, yeah. So I know they were saying like Carrie when I first came out. Um, that was like really gory. Yeah. So I wonder how, like, what? I wonder, like, there was like any correlation between Carrie and this one. Like, right. was this one just only a little bit like disturbing? Uh, well, I, I know. Big Stephen King was a big supporter of the film. Yeah. Um, also, like one of the things, yeah, especially when we screen the film, like for the film com class I teach, is like one of the things I always like try to convince my student of is like look at it through the eyes of what was going on at the time like you can watch evil dead now and even now it's pretty disgusting but certainly we've seen so many things that have come out since especially by today's standards it's pretty tame right mm. but that kind of material just like wasn't coming out back then and that's why it was part of there's this collection of film called the video nasties which was uh, a collection of banned films um, out of the UK in which basically if they were labeled a video nasty, it was essentially like illegal and you couldn't find it. And Evil Dead was one of them amongst a number of other like Italian horror films, Cannibal Holocaust. That's a whole other story too. Um, uh, but yeah, and like what you're saying, like there's no what feels like three point lighting. They just had what, and, and there's no uh, practical lights on set because they didn't have running electricity. So it's just all like set lights that they're using like as part of the film gear to act as if there are lights in the scene. So that's why everything just feels so blown out and so bright all the time. Like you were talking about like the, I call it the Netflix sheen where everything is just like so clean. Like, I mean, we're talking about like 16 millimeter, not even like 35 millimeter that Mm -hmm. they're shooting at. And if you, and there's some like instances like on the Blu-ray I have, like you can watch it in the original, like four, three where it's like locked off on the side. So it's not the beautiful, like one, eight, five or like widescreen. And that even adds more to what you're saying because yeah. you're just like oh wow this really looks homemade because it doesn't look like a quote-unquote like traditional movie which would be like widescreen and which would be traditionally like 35 millimeter which is like rob zombie now he's like like he intentionally tries to make it look like 16 millimeter or he'll shoot on 16 millimeter as opposed to shooting like digitally mm-hmm. yeah i i gotta wonder if i was them i don't know why the heck they thought going to that cabin was like cool. Like I would walk in there and just, and just want to leave because there's like no furniture, right? And the furniture they have looks just ruined. <laughs> hey, they're they're poor college kids. I mean, like that's yeah, that's what they have available to them. Yeah, they're eating like KFC, I think, in yeah. the kitchen and everything. Um, and I also was going to mention that um, they have a little nod. I think it's this one where they have a nod to Wes Craven, where they have oh yeah. The little Freddy Krueger claw mm-hmm. uh, glove in the basement, I believe. Or no, The Hills Have Eyes. The, the poster. poster. Yeah, the poster, yeah. yeah. I think that comes in the second one where they have that glove mm-hmm. in the warehouse. And so, yeah, from what I gathered um, from it, like, because Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi knew each other prior and they were like friends. Yeah. And, you know, they made a short film called um, Within the Woods. Yeah. yeah. They made two years prior or three years prior to kind of just like get their names out there and kind of show people what they can make. But like you said earlier, Drew, they just, they tried to pitch to everyone and no one would take it. Which is understandable too. I mean, you've got a couple of 20-year-old kids that are going out to make a horror film. The fact that they got anybody involved to support them, like that's incredible. And, you know, more powerfully like at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just like, again, it goes back to that drive and that perseverance of just like, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to like get what you want and they wanted to become filmmakers. They wanted to make a living in it. And I think every bit of that is earned in watching this movie, regardless of whether or not 
you like the movie. And yes, it is disgusting, but you know, whether or not you can find value or just have fun with that is, is kind of like half that journey and watching that movie. Right. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask both of you actually, cause I know you just finished it like right before we got on here and then <laughs> it's been a very uh, hectic day. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when I was first watching it initially, I thought to myself, I really don't know like who's going to make it at the end. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's interesting because now in horror movies, even like at the time you always got like, introduced to the main person and you just knew they were going to make it at the end right be the last girl mm-hmm. but I'm, when i'm watching this i'm like ash is kind of a wimp yeah right yeah and i think it's interesting to see kind of how um because his friend i think is scott mm-hmm. in the movie and i i you know when i'm watching it for the first time i'm thinking like oh he's gonna be the one that's gonna be the main guy and that's like oh wait ash yeah I, I was were you thinking the same thing when you watch it from both of you oh yeah at first i mean that's yeah and that's what part of the fun of the movie is especially if you know the franchise and where it ends up going and the second one he starts to become that hero and then the third one is he's basically just a comic book hero mm-hmm. in army of darkness and certainly into the show they do that but yeah it's really fun to watch how much of a coward he is and how many shelves fall on him throughout the course of the first one um yeah he's not your typical hero right and you would expect him especially at that time to either have either been scotty or a final girl mm-hmm. but to have a final boy in the form of ash like yeah that's at the time again contextually speaking like that just was very rare and movies weren't done like that um right and now it's commonplace because everything's been done right and, yeah and i thought it was like i try i'm terrible at guessing who's gonna like be the winner <laughs> who's gonna like be the last person alive so i'm i've always tried not to guess but i guess in horror um well not horror but i think in this one i kind of thought it was gonna be a girl because that's what i'm seeing more Right today, yeah. uh, like yeah. women just being the outland or uh, the last yeah. person started. Yeah. So, if I had to, I'm only saying this like right now because I didn't think of it before because I learned at a very early age. I am terrible at guessing, even in the most obvious movies. I can't say <laughs> who's got. I'm like, I don't know. And then like the person I picked dies like 20 minutes later. Right. But um, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. No, I I think when I was like, because uh, you see Scotty like kill the one of the deadites. I think mm-hmm. is what they call. They call him, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, go go, Scotty. All the while, Ash is like, he's useless. Space, yeah, he's spaced out. He's in the back. He's like getting ready to throw up, and you're just like, Jesus, dude, whatever. And um, when you start seeing him like getting down and down, I'm just thinking like, how is this guy gonna get out? You know, how's he gonna get out of here? So I think it is interesting, kind of, especially being a guy, mm-hmm. like you said, because at the time it was like, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis was famous for Halloween, mm-hmm. and that just became a huge hit of people just. Girls right. being the last thing. Yeah. And so I do find it interesting that uh, Sam Raimi, because I know Bruce Campbell is his best friend. It was probably, right. that was probably the reason. Oh, uh, absolutely. But I did find it interesting how he chose a guy rather than like the three actresses that he had available to him. Right. Um, I guess I'll ask you, um, wh- when was the first time you watched this? Paint the scene for us when you first watched this. So this was at the time when DVDs were like just coming out and starting to become popular. Was at my friend's house in the winter of eighth grade, so I was fourteen at the time, and this is when they just started doing like special edition like DVDs as well, like mm-hmm. that was like the allure of DVDs. And I remember they came out with like, you know, a a kind of like quote unquote like Book of the Dead, like mm-hmm. that was the actual like uh, packaging for the DVD. And so it was like rubber, but apparently now, like I've looked up online, people that still have that same one. My friend like sold it, I'm sure. There's no way he still has that. But I know 
I mean, which is not cool. He should definitely. Yeah. Still yeah. <laughs> but I remember asking him about it. He was like, no, I sold that a while ago because I'd looked up, um, I was listening to another podcast and he was like, oh, I've got that one, like the rubber book of the dead. Or the, and he, it's like falling apart. And it's like, and they're like, that looks disgusting. And so I remember it was specifically that uh, casing that he had. Um, and it's weird because, yeah, at the time when you don't know the background, you don't know the history, you don't know what went into making it. And you just you don't understand, especially at that time, the difference between like high budget and low budget studio versus independent 16 millimeter versus 35. I just didn't have any kind of bearing on that. So I'm just taking everything at face value. And yeah, like kind of like what you guys were saying to me, you're just kind of like shocked, just kind of like what? Especially at that time, too, when you couldn't go on IMDb right away and be like, okay, what's the trivia? I'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Why? So you just had to kind of like do that research as organically as possible. And that's why like a uh, special feature, like DVDs were like such a big thing back then. And those don't really exist as much anymore, like special features on like physical media because everybody streams everything now. Um, so yeah, I definitely remember taking it all at face value and just being like very confused, but so captivated and so like interested because... I knew there was something so organic about it. And it didn't feel far off from like, I mean, obviously I knew I could never do it as good as they did it, but knowing like, oh, this is possible. Like, you know, just get a few of the people you know and what gear you have and then you can go do it, right? You, um, you just hopefully have to have the skill sets like them to back it up because, you know, there's so many stories that didn't turn out as great as that one. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I just remember being so fascinated by it and just wanting to learn more about it, which led to, like, what we're talking about with, yeah. like, you know, reading up on it and just, you know, especially a movie like this, just more stories come out as the years go on and on because there's so many parties involved that are still, like, active between Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi and Rob Tapper and even a lot of the female actresses like Ellen Sandwich, they've, like, come out to these conventions. So you're always just constantly learning about it which is cool so you knew at like an early age like it stuck with you since oh, you were yeah. 14 absolutely absolutely you know it's gonna be one of your favorites like for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah maybe not that so much but and i think that's a, what kind of the best favorite films that you have do is like they don't necessarily start off as being like oh this is one of my favorites like i feel like the ones that i still love were always movies that like initially i'm like eh. like but it's sticking with me and i don't know how i feel about it and then i'll watch it again and i'll watch it again and then it'll just like keep sinking in. And then like, it's just like, it's, you know, it's an acquired taste almost like you just start to fall more in love with it as opposed to like, yeah, some of the movies that might be like, oh, that was so great. But then you watch it a couple more times and you're like, okay, maybe I don't love it as much. So I think it was more so that that of just like, I don't know what I saw, but I want to keep learning more about it. And that's through like DVDs and like, you know, the behind the scenes stuff like that, and, like Fangoria magazines that you try to track down, obviously before the internet is what it is today, right? which like you can just go online and look up like anything, right? You know, we were just talking about that before the show. Like you can go on IMDb and look up anything, but you didn't have that back then. So you kind of had to do it organically. I just stick, you got it. What were you saying? Sorry. Did it stick with you? Like, I know you had this yeah. poster before we even did the podcast. Yeah. But. Well, I think I watched this back when I was in middle school, I think. I watched it then and I, it was kind of similar to what Drew said where I was watching it and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, well, first, to be honest, I was like, wow, this looks like crap. But then I was watching it and, you know, that's kind of when I was like first kind of getting into film and everything. And so I was kind of thinking, I'm like, when I learned the backstory, I was like, that's pretty interesting that they did this with no money. And I think it honestly, it benefits it because I just feel like the way they shoot it, it's like you're there, you know, when you're seeing when you're 
chasing Ash through the through the the cabin and everything. You're seeing everything go down. You feel so in the moment because you know it's handheld for a good majority of it. Uh, when it's dark outside, it's dark. Like you can barely see anything. And you know, I just feel like it gives that more in the moment feel, kind of that panic, frantic feel that like helps the movie out a lot, especially in those scenes where um, it's like POV shots of the dead basically yeah. through the woods and everything yeah um which i initially thought was just a guy with a camera just running which i guess they put the camera on like plywood two by fours yeah yeah two by fours and then they had two people on each side of it and they're just running through the woods which i would love to see the behind the scenes of that yeah, and just that's, that's innovation right there right mm-hmm. you know it's like i think the best stuff is a result of people who didn't have all the resources right would that film be as effective if they had been giving the same budget as the exorcist like i don't know like maybe but maybe not but i think part of that kind of realism to it but and at the same time what's mixed with this like surrealism especially once you get towards the ending when you get into the stop motion the claymation it's just it's so out of control at that point and yeah i think it's it's one of those ideas of just like a filmmaker who's willing to subject you to like anything um, and that's that can be really fun for people, and that can also be really scary as you're watching because you just, you know, especially after you get to the tree rape scene, you're kind of just thinking like, okay, this filmmaker is going to show us whatever the hell they want. Um, and you kind of got to be, what I always say is uh, the get-off-the-ride moment. There's always a, mo- a moment in every single movie where, I call it the get-off-the-ride moment, where you are either with it or you're out, right? And that's definitely that moment Um that will either turn you off or even if you are repulsed by it, which rightfully so you should be, um, you're just intrigued by the direction that this movie is already going, especially at that point where like, if they're willing to subject us to this at this point in the movie, where else is it going to go? I know you said like, well, I forgot to mention that earlier. You said how like good it was done when you were younger and stuff. And I'm kind of just curious, I guess from both of your guys' point of views, like what, I, I know what you were saying earlier and like expanding on it. Just how is it good? I guess like the originality within like how they make it, how they make a low budget thing look good is like the, I guess the confidence going into it knowing it's not like the best budget thing. I know you and I are, we're used to like high quality, yeah. dumb cameras, you know, whatever. Yeah, I want but, to ask you guys about that too yeah. later. Okay, but uh, yeah, you can go down and we'll just respond. Yeah, I was going to ask like, so obviously from my perspective, I was watching in an era when like film was still a thing when that kind of look was obviously associated with low budget, but we didn't have anything to associate kind of like with that like glossy look that you guys have. So like yeah. even when you guys watch like found footage movies now, like right, they look so glossy, they look perfect. Obviously they've shot digitally. Um so when going back and watching something like Evil Dead after you've been inundated with the way things are made now is that kind of a detractor for you? And does that take you out of the movie considering the way it looks and the way it feels? Or is that something that's attractive to you? Because, and I'm sure you guys have seen it now, like especially modern filmmakers, like filmmaker, modern filmmakers that really are into that kind of a style and aesthetic, like they'll often mimic that, right? And they'll even like put film grain over it to give it that kind of evil dead look. Um, Do you notice things like that? And do you notice like in going back to watch evil dead, like, oh wow, this looks so much different than what I'm used to seeing, regardless of how conscious you are of, like, the the year. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, you really... I personally saw the difference between other horror movies by yet, like, how it obviously looks, but I think also the way it's shot. The Sam Raimi really 
shoots in ways that really is very strange. Like he shoots, like when they're in the car on the way there, he shoots a like upward shots towards yeah. them. And then when he, uh, later when Ash is going downstairs, we're seeing like under the stairway, him crawling. Right. And it's just the way they use such a, I can assume tight and uncomfortable space, but still managing to find those creative shots that make you feel like Ash is being watched or something's just not right. Yeah. That's kind of what I noticed when I first watched it. And I think it really did make me see it as this movie that, you know, despite being obviously low budget, it's doing things creatively that benefits the story. Right. What'd I'd say I like watch. Well, I like watching movies that look different than what I'm like typically used to. I don't want to say like I'm only into. I don't want to sound like I'm only into like unique, you know, abstract things or low, mm-hmm. you know. But I guess I can get like get a try different things. Like I've watched like the typical movie always has like good quality, whatever. So it's cool to like go back and see what like my parents were watching, you know, and like. You know, they talk about old video game systems coming out. Like, oh, my God, that looks so real. You know, it's like yeah. four pixels on a character. But today, you know, you have, like, face ID or whatever. So I think going back and watching it and just, I guess it's kind of like a respect thing just to see, like, because, I don't know, I, I love movies. Like, I talk about them all day long. But I don't go back enough to see where we started. And I had, I think you took the class, too. It was, um, I forgot what teacher it was. Cinema. It was online. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah it was that. And we had to. We started with the original, like, like first movie, and it was Black Doctor Caligari. Was yeah, it? something yeah, like, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, I think the Captain Doctor Caligari. Yeah, and I was going back and seeing, and although I didn't really like the movie, it wasn't it was like some random piece of uh, I forgot I forgot what the first thing we watched was. It was just a random like a bunch. It was like a bunch of videos, and the description on it said just random stuff. Do you think that's because you have like you've been so exposed to all these movies that are like bombastic and yeah, you know all these lights and all this mm-hmm. this huge budget and stuff. Like, our, well, I've said it before, but my first movie I remember watching was King Kong. You know, you see stuff like that at like three, four years old. So stuff like this is kind of unique to me. But I know I'm getting all off topic. And I'm kinda, <laughs> <laughs> but in simple words, I do like how how bad it looks because. <laughs> And I guess I'll just try to bring it back there because you get to see where it started from and how like popular it is and has like this cult following behind it. So I know it took me like ten minutes to get to your answer, but no, no, absolutely. I think another thing that benefits the movie as a whole is you know I know you like ninety minutes, Drew. Ninety minute movies. I know we we love minutes. I'm 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 all in. Yeah, because me and Cam with our schedules, ninety minutes is like. Like yeah. we're we're golden. I think we did like a three hour movie one. No, a two and a half hour movie one time on the podcast. Which one? Uh, we did no. We did the dark. We did a couple of trilogies. We, we did, did the Dark Knight trilogy, and that that took like an hour to get through. And we were trying to be brief. <laughs> oh. yeah. We walked in, finished it, and then like started recording because we just had no time. But um, when you watch the movie, it's like it gets like going right away. Like they find the the re- tape recorder thing yeah. that like summons it like that. Yeah, and you know, it, and you're watching, you're just like, oh, we're we're going in. People are getting picked off one by one. Pencils in the ankles, which made me cringe when I watched it mm-hmm. yeah. for the first time. Just digging it in. Um, what Did you think that that also benefits? Do you think if this movie perhaps was 30 minutes longer, would that be detrimental <laughs> to the overall story? I think some amazing things can come out of not being an expert at something, and that was certainly the case in what they 
they had been doing is because they didn't know what they were doing. And so they were just, you know, as baptism by fire, right? Um, and obviously it services them very well in the future once they go off to make Evil Dead 2. And especially if, you know, we're obviously, we're not getting the sequels, but like in watching that sack one, it's just like, it's like, oh, they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And when you watch the first one, it's like, they don't know what they're doing, but they're throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. Oh, and the point I was making was, they stressed a lot that like they were just, and because of the fact that they hadn't known how to just structure stories that they didn't want people to get bored. And that's what they were most afraid of it, especially in the, you know, kind of realm of like trying to sell a film. Like that is what you want. It's like, you want to try to keep people entertained. And so it was like, as soon as it starts, like just keep going. I think they even said like one of the biggest pieces of advice they got was, just keep the blood running down the screen. Mm-hmm. And you obviously you get that, right? Um, so yeah, there's definitely this feeling of like, you feel very assaulted by the, yeah, by the end of it, but but in a good way, like you feel like you got beat up. Yeah. But that's what a lot of great horror films do. And that can be cathartic for some people, but that can also be just stressful for yeah. some people too. Um, but also if you're in the realm of filmmaking, that can also be very exciting because you see everything that they're able to do. You're talking about the shots and stuff, like literally every single shot that you can think of, it's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Every single shot from low angles to high angles to tracking to pushings to follows, like they just threw everything. And they're like, that's, I think for a movie like this, it gets very appropriate, right? And we always talk about that in classes, like what's appropriate for the story you want to tell? And like, should we be conscious of like what shots you are conducting to service that story? But in the case of this, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Just do with literally everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it kind of like warrants that. And I think it earns that certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cam, did you think uh, when you were watching it at the end where it's just, just screaming for like <laughs> seven minutes of it and, you know, blood going everywhere, there's so much going on. Did you also uh, feel what Drew was saying? Like you felt like you were just getting assaulted and beat up because I know I was kind of there when you were watching it. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to do a news meeting and he was like, I'm going to try and finish the movie while I do this news meeting. And you just hear screaming going on. Quickly turned up in the headphone. Yeah. But it was kind of weird as I'm like trying to tell like 10 people about an event going on. There's like this woman or like a bunch of screaming going in my ear. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, so. Did you kind of get that feeling like they were like, they were just like kind of over. It's like, it's similar to Saw where it's like, Saw does it differently where it's just like visual, like audio, like everything's just getting so quick. And it's mm-hmm. just like, it's just been punching you in the face where, where this one does like different where it's mostly like audible kind of thing. Yeah. It's more auditory because you have, you know, the deadites, like their voices are very demonic and they're at, making Ash just lose his mind. And when you're watching, well, at least when I was watching, I'm just like, dude, she just shut up. It's it's like, oh my god, but it works. It works in that yeah. way. It was kind of funny, uh, yeah. maybe because of the situation. I was I wasn't sitting down at like in a, at a TV. I was kind of like just, I was paying attention to it, but I'm like in the middle of something. So there's just like this yeah. constant yelling in my ear, and I'm glancing up at it every and like kind of losing track of what I'm supposed to be doing. But I don't I don't really get those kind of feelings like i don't get when care i don't get when characters are like uh like oh my gosh she's so annoying and stuff like that or like oh my gosh uh that one dude just wouldn't shut up because i think i try to think of it as like this was intentional instead of like 
someone you know in this building won't shut up you know yeah. they're doing that by like choice yeah. they're like just they just won't shut up but yeah. since this one and then movies are just this was a purpose behind yeah it. yeah that's the right where i'm all over the place <laughs> but it was like there's a purpose behind it so i don't know i kind of looked at it from that regard yeah and it works especially when you get to the long segment of the movie where the dads are just like they're just killing at like they're just, <laughs> not even like they're hurting him like with bodily harm but then for the most part it's like toying with them because they'll like I love that yeah they'll turn back to like human form and she's like ash hold me and then he holds her and all of a sudden she's back to yeah whatever and it's just like geez poor guy yeah did you like when how like quickly it started i you know i like a quick movie yeah yeah i i thought it was good because they get there and you know you feel you feel uneasy when they get on the way to the cabin because there's that overarching shot where it's like following him through the tree branches uh but i think branches even just hitting the lens yeah yeah as it's going in so i i think you get that establishing creepiness Mm because you know you get scotty walking up to the door and you get and like i said back to the auditory thing you get the the bumping of the bench against the house and as soon as he unlocks the door grabs the keys it stops and it's just like little things like that where it's like uh uh-oh right and then once they play that tape it's like icing on the cake for just stuff's about to go down right yeah like what better way to kick off like that second act than just like with that tape recorder and going into the basement like you know the direction you know where it's going it's just a matter of like how are they going to show you yeah you're right i mean yeah especially when you walk into a movie called the evil dead like like you you're kind of asking for it right yeah. and especially once you've heard what you've heard from reading the movie is like i think if you weren't given what you were given it'd almost be a disappointment and i think it still holds up um because of everything we've been talking about from the innovation and stuff like that and yeah, like, I love performance more than anything in the movie, but, like, you know, in a movie like this, like, that isn't what is so important, right? Um, I think, yeah, that might help sell, like, the convincing of, like, the performances and whatnot. Um, yeah, the performances. <laughs> right. But they know that, right? Yeah, they know and, what they're doing with that. And you certainly tell and see how much Bruce Campbell has grown over time. Like, he's a very, like, especially watching him in the show, like, he's a good actor now, like, and he has range and... But even at that, like when they were shooting it uh, back in 1979, 1980, um, yeah, they're amateurs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you can see that even with Sam Raimi's directing, like they just, again, like I use the expression like uh, baptism by fire, right? Like, yeah, I was looking, that was kind of a, I've never heard of that. That was a hard line. Yeah, <laughs> baptism by fire, that sounds kind of cool. We'll put um, that, we'll put that in like the tag <laughs> of the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what better way to be indoctrinated into like the world of filmmaking than with a project like this, yeah. right? Yeah, I I actually because uh, I remember watching the scene where he gets the shelf thrown on him and he's like he can't get underneath. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. and I'm watching it. And I don't know if you thought the same way, but I'm just like, dude, it's like the thinnest wood. <laughs> like, just get up. And I I looked it up and I saw that Bruce Campbell was like, yeah, they told me to act like this thing is like a hundred pounds and I can't get up. So he's like trying. I could just tell by his face he's like overacting the heck out of it. And you know, I. Oh, I I find that funny, and I just find that the choices that they made behind the scenes of like, okay, yeah, we're gonna have like, I feel like it'd be crazy if you went to that cabin and you have no budget, and they're like, okay, we're gonna shoot you cutting your girlfriend's head off with a shovel at night. Yeah, uh, we're gonna tear your leg up. We're gonna go in the basement. Yeah, blood's gonna splatter all over you. Yeah, and it's just like, I feel like that's crazy. Like you know. I think the movies, and I don't know about you, Cam, but like when you're watching it, I feel like when you have that in your mind that um, it's so low budget, how dynamic it is and how it uses the space around the cabin, you know, because it could have been shot in one room just inside the cabin. And 
you would have been like, okay, I understand why. Yeah. But they're having shots all throughout the woods, outside. I feel like that they took that extra mile and it works. You I, know? It's funny because we were talking about, we talked about the room like two weeks ago mm-hmm. and yeah. how low budget, well, not even low budget. I had like. How, how, how recently budgeted it was for Tommy Wiseau, you know, because he was like. Six million dollars? Yeah. Yeah. And like, we're talking about how bad this looks. How Why, bad it is. How flat it looks. Yeah. And just the comparison between this actually looks like god awful, but this one looks like a try or like, this one looks more intra visually. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the room that's has a budget behind it and still it feels, it feels like soap opera ish. Yeah. yeah. So, well, soap opera. Like, it seems so. Oh, at least it's soap. I thought you said soap opera ish. I'm like, what does soap opera ish mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just but, saying random words over here. Yeah. yeah. It feels lived in, though, to your guys' point. Uh, so, that's one thing when we talk about, like, in our film comp classes, like, atmosphere, you know, is like, does this space feel lived in? And as cheap as Evil Dead is, like, yeah, they're in a real location, you're really in the woods in a real cabin. When you open that cabin door and you look out, like you're in the woods, yeah. right? And versus like the room that's entirely done on sound stages um, with artificial lighting, like that stuff. Like even if you're masking the idea of a fourth wall and the fact that they are on a sound stage, like there's just something very tangible about watching a film like Evil Dead that's shot on a real location that mm-hmm. that feels like those people are really li- like. Even scenes inside, like maybe not so much inside, but definitely when they're outside, like you can see their breath and you just know they're cold, especially that scene where Cheryl's running through in her gown and getting like, you know, the trees ripping her gown off. Like, you know, that actress is just miserable. Yeah. yeah. I, I can say that that scene to me. Hard to watch. It's it's hard to watch. And it's like one of those things because I know we were making not not joke, but, <laughs> we, but we were saying like. I can imagine Sam was like, okay, yeah, we're going to get the car go driving up. You know, we're going to get the dead ice and everything. Yeah, you're going to run to the woods. Yeah, we'll deal with that later. And I'm just like, like I feel like having a low budget and Sam Raimi's like, yeah, we're going to do this. I feel like that's crazy to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's... A- and it looks realistic. Like, you can actually, like, feel like those are real. Because just going around her and pulling her around, I'm like... Yeah, so, yeah, up. Again, yeah, like, it's what... And so Sam Raimi was also a magician. So he just knew of these ways to make, you know, to the illusion to create that illusion. So just even things now that seem so common and seem like something you would do in like, you know, a freshman year video of just like, oh, let's reverse the footage. But like people weren't doing that. So when it's like, okay, well, let's wrap the the vines around her arm. And then what we'll do is we'll just pull them off like really quickly. And then we'll reverse the footage. So it looks like they're wrapping. It's like people weren't doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I have to say, Drew, and I have to say, Cam, there is one scene. I love the movie. There's one scene that I just hate. And it is the scene where Ash is pretending to be asleep on the couch and his girlfriend <laughs> comes in and it's like close up on his eyes, like closing it, looking over, she's closing it, looking over. And, and then he I'm just like, the oh. box. I'm like, yeah. I feel like they, they're, they're even those two, not maybe the actors, but those characters. I feel like they're self-aware of the cheesiness yeah. because they're like, oh. And, and it has yeah. like the, the music in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And like the necklace. And I just know that necklace is going to come back at some point. Oh, yeah. And um, I guess that can lead us in because we talked about the middle section where the deadites are just torturing Ash and then like everything breaks loose at the end and they're just tearing him apart and Scotty's attacking him, which I think is probably the most impressive part of the movie in terms of visual effects, special effects, and just, I mean, like it's intense and there's just so much blood. There's just so much in that scene right. where I feel like they exhausted all their budget into that scene because of the special effects. What do you two think of 
that scene in general. I mean, yeah, again, it's like the innovation. So like one of the things, you know, we were talking a lot about like liquids, right? There's just this movies, there's so many liquids going on in this movie. Gross. And, just, yeah. <laughs> and what would seem like a restriction in terms of his creativity and like his concern was because they wanted to get this into theaters was like, okay, we don't want to get an X rating, right? And this was well before like, like ratings don't even matter nowadays, right? Um, but back then, like ratings were so important because like if you got an X rating, your movie is very limited to showing on screens. And so that was a concern. He's like, all right, I don't want to have too much blood because we'll definitely. So he's like, well, let's just change the colors. Like, you know, that's why like they're always spewing out like what is actually like 2% milk. And yeah, like when you really look at it, you're like, you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely milk. But when you can take yourself out of the idea of making the movie and that low budgetness, it's just like, oh, this feels very surreal. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that adds to it. And yeah, like what you're talking about, um, the Scotty scene, which obviously then eventually, eventually leads it into the stop motion of just like, again, just household edible items like uh, scrambled eggs, scrambled yeah, eggs, yeah, eggs, yeah, and just mashed potatoes, just things you would sound so dumb as we were pitching it to each other here, but they just work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they go all out. They because like at one yeah. point, I think even like Ash is sitting there and it's like, are you guys done? And it's like <laughs> hands are coming out, and he's just like, what is going on? It's like half of a body with just yeah. like I'm assuming like mechanical arms, just like going back and forth. And then it falls over, stop, and blood just gets splat in his face. And I'm just like, dude, I just need him to be like done, like be yeah, okay. Right. Um, but yeah, that's and then like the book, like the tongues out in the in the fire. <laughs> and he was like, look at And I, I when I saw the necklace, like how he was gonna use it, I was a little okay. I wasn't let down by it because I feel like it was just kind of like okay, he's gonna use the necklace to get it. But I mean, at that point. I was just kind of like, I'm just ready for this guy to be just out of this cabin at all. And right. Yeah. And it's, it's funny you bring that up. Cause so I always like have like a list of like go to sleep movies, like movies you want to put on. It's like, you kind of fall asleep. Mm-hmm. We put this on one night as we were going to bed. We're like never doing that again. Oh my. Because that is, yeah, it's just, it's just, again, it's assaulting. It's just constantly screaming. And yeah, you do feel like, again, like you got beat up by the end of it. So when it, like he does walk out to that cabin, it, it really is like a, breath of yeah and then when like it does i mean and this movie's only an hour and 25 minutes yeah right it feels so much longer it really does because of the fact that you kind of do want out of the situation as much fun as you might be having that and i know a lot of people might think of it to be kind of kitschy and like oh yeah it's it's campy now right but i gotta even say like there's still some parts in that that are terrifying like when cheryl's in the basement and she's like lowering down and like with the white eyes, like it's, it's still terrifying. It yeah. still holds up. Did you feel, uh, either of you, did you feel like kind of cheated at the end where it's like, oh, he finally made it. This bombastic, no, glorified no. music. No. And he comes no, out I, and all of a sudden. I think that's the perfect ending. But if you want to have a real fun trilogy of a weekend, if you lop off basically the end credits of Evil Dead 1, and then start the in Evil Dead Two, lop off the first like seven or eight minutes when he just goes. It's like essentially a recap in their version of what a recap would be, and go to the point where he gets hit by the tree. It picks up right. Yeah, <laughs> you can cut those two together. And uh, the third one, obviously, when he goes back into the yeah. time, so you could actually watch it as like one continuing story. Was that was that because of uh, rights? Like, yeah, to, for sure. Yeah. So also with that second one, um, they just yeah didn't have all the time to basically condense 
what would essentially be those five characters into the first eight minutes. And also they didn't have the rights to the first one. So they're like, let's just do what would essentially be our version of a recap, but also for people that have no idea what this movie is, they can come into it and basically watch it and take it at face value without being like, who is this? Who is this? You know, but it is extremely confusing if you do watch the second one without having any of that knowledge. And that's, again, that's what happens. And, you know, when you're, it's early 2000s and you're watching it on VHS tape and you watch Evil Dead 2, it's like, okay, I was so confused. Yeah. But then obviously like you start learning more and you start reading more and like specials come out and then you're like, oh, that's part of the fun of it too. Isn't that how, uh, what's it called, Back to the Future's like? Like don't yeah, they start off. They kind of like restart. I think that was a casting thing. Cause I know, did we talk about Back to the Future? Why? I mean, we talked about the trilogy. Yeah. All, all We've three done of too many episodes. We can't find Yeah, they kind of pick up where the last one left off, but like with new actors. So they had to do it that way. Um, I, you mentioned that Sam Raimi was a magician. And now I'm kind of thinking of different shots that make sense. Like, especially the shot where he's looking in the mirror and he puts his hand in. Oh, his yeah. Mouth. And it's, I would have never thought. And, <laughs> and like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, how did they do that? Like, did they have him. I don't know how they did. I just it's one of those things where it's like, like it's just out of nowhere. And of course, yeah. Ash is yelling and screaming and shooting at nothing. Yeah, and yeah. so it just kind of takes you down this rabbit hole, which is only heightened in the second one of just losing your mind. Yeah, everything's just going nuts. The and especially in the second one, where like literally the cabin itself is moving and shaking and everything. And I mean, it's it's exhausting. It's an exhausting watch. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's really interesting is. You know, you feel like in watching that second one that he's saying like, okay, here's everything I would have done in the first one Mm -hmm. if I had been given the resources to do so. Um, And because they certainly do gravitate more towards comedy in the second one, it's basically just a black comedy at Mm -hmm. that point. Um, But that's what they want to do. Like they loved Three Stooges and they loved that kind of uh, slapstick humor. And so I certainly appreciate that. And I love that second one. But yeah, there's just something so tangible and so palpable about that first one. And knowing like, oh man, like this is what they had though, right? And that's, this is a whole other conversation too, the idea of like going back. And I know like certainly like looking at your poster over there, Star Wars has been criticized of like, okay, now that we have the resources we do, let's go back and fix the things. Like, and I know with like Evil Dead, there's certain like imperfections that through like, you know, subsequent like blu-ray and dvd releases they'll go back and fix like the matte painting of the the moon you know yeah which is like yeah. a square like they've cleaned that up yeah there's a, a crew member in the woods when they're first driving in that they got rid of and some people really are saying like oh no like that's part of what that movie is like mm-hmm. you can't take that away from what that is you know mm-hmm. have you seen have you two seen the new one even the rise yes i have not i mean either i won't go too much into it because that'll, that's like a whole nother episode yeah. but do you think it like pay, I haven't seen it either? Yeah. Does it like pay some sort of like respect or homage, or does it do it? Does it do the original justice in any way? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it when you're done. Yeah, because there's no, I can't say anything and then talk about it without. <laughs> yeah, going to in yeah, uh, yeah, but we'll definitely chat about that for sure. Okay. Um, so, have you seen all the Evil Dead? Of course. Watch from 2013 too. Have you guys? Uh, I Negative. I haven't seen the 2013 or the newest one. I've seen all three of you know the original. Um when you initially heard that there was going to be a remake, were you kind of upset? Because like we've mentioned multiple times in the podcast, like they have just that mainstream feel. Right. Were you a little like, oh, they're going to ruin the legacy of Evil Dead? I mean, no, I don't like get uptight about that. It's just like, yeah, they're going to do whatever they want to do with it. And it's more so my big thing is like, if you're doing something different with it, right? And I know that's kind of like the big conversational battle. It's like, oh, well, you can't do something too different because then it, strays too far away from like the iconography mm-hmm. if you stay too close to it then it's just it's a carbon cutout right i think 
Have you seen the 2013 one? No, I have. Oh, um, yeah. And I think they're doing things that are very innovative and very different. And that movie is extremely hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of fun in different ways. And they have a different, a kind of a different twist on the whole, the, the whole objective of going to the cabin and why they're there and what their objective of being at the cabin is. So that's different. The cast is completely different. Yeah, you have maybe some kind of representations of who you think the characters are, but then they kind of twist that on its head. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's doing things that are different and it is it is beautifully shot too. Um, and that's what's cool about it. It looks nothing like the original Evil Dead, but it's still somebody that you can, who's making an effort to, yeah, not only put their stamp on it and pay homage to it, like that's I can't imagine how insanely difficult it is to tackle an existing IP that has yeah. a built-in fan base, whether that goes for you know, Evil Dead or Scream or Halloween or, you know, Star Wars and whatnot. Yeah, it's really hard to please everyone. Yeah, exactly. Especially in something like Star Wars. And oh, yeah. There's yeah. always some. Yeah. I haven't seen, probably I shouldn't, probably shouldn't call myself like a movie buff. I haven't seen Star Wars, but there's always I, something. I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen the first one. I just, and again, I know it's just not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I certainly understand. I mean, yeah, like that's all, uh, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um between the two of you, and I'll say my, what was your favorite scene of the movie or favorite moment of the movie? My, like I mentioned earlier, mine was probably the um, water mirror part or just kind of the whole yeah. segment where he's just seeing things that isn't there and they're just torturing him. Cam, what was your uh, favorite part of the movie? Mine was like a really like, it happened like really quickly. It was when I think he like, I forgot who it was. He looked under the covers and it was like her leg right there. Yeah. I, I, I'm terrible oh, character name. And then he looks and then it just like, veins or blood just starts like getting all over i, I don't know why i like that part the most yeah. but maybe because it was i don't know like unique in a way i've never like yeah. seen that soft that, motion yeah does yeah that, does that lead into the pencil part i think where she like jumps up and stabs yeah. you yeah no that was the result of getting stabbed with oh, oh okay. in the yeah. bed yeah yeah she, okay because yeah. it's like infected so yeah it's yours i gotta say that first cheryl reveal like because obviously you go and knowing what evil that is just because of historically speaking but i think it's so interesting to look at the movie through like fresh eyes because like yeah even after they find the book you're like okay what is it gonna be though like are demons gonna come out of the woods or what have you and just when when uh shelly's gaslighting her friend and she's like she's like it's a seven she's like i don't believe Um, it you know and you can see the cars but she's just clearly messing out there (laughs) yeah she's like i think it's like esp and she's like do another one it's i think that seems really funny too and it kind of it catches you off guard because, like, you are laughing at her, kind of hoodwinking her friend, yeah. and then when you just hear Cheryl, like, naming them all, yeah, you know, just start. She, she like, that seems so awkward because she's like up there and she's like mm-hmm. up like this, yeah, and she, and she's like turning a little bit, yeah. And I, it's very like off-putting to me. And then uh, Scott walks back in with just one goes, "She okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. nothing's the matter." Right. And again, like nowadays, you'd be raised up on cables; they'd be perfectly symmetrical; they would float there. The reason that feels so like weird and like kind of off-putting, she's just literally sitting on like a seesaw, and someone's on the other end outside the window and just whoosh, pushes oh, it right. down, and she's like sitting on it, and it just goes whoop and just lifts her knees. Like I didn't know that. Really. Yeah, what a, a twenty-dollar prop yeah. between like a piece of metal for the crossbar and then a plank of wood. Mm. Just have two people sit on one end and hoist her up. Like that's, that's, a good, that's innovation right there. Yeah, that's crazy. That's I think you got it. No, I just there's just so much in this movie. Like, would you say? Because I guess I'll rear around. Like, on what would you give this movie out of five? It's got to be a five, right? Oh, uh, I, like, easily, yeah, easily. yeah. And yeah, it's not a movie for everybody. 
And I can certainly see how some people be like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But if you love it, you love it. Everybody, I feel like, loves it for the same reason. Mm-hmm. And it's for a lot of what we've been discussing. Yeah. Yeah, Cam, what would you give it out of five? I'll give it a three. A three, Cam. Yeah, I don't know. Horror isn't like my thing. Yeah. And I'm not saying that. Well, I, I watch horror movies, but it's not like my go-to. Yeah. You know, I watch whatever, whenever. Some of the newer stuffs, I might just go back and watch uh, Yeah, some old stuff. Like, I really liked, what's Alfred Hitchcock? Uh, go. Yeah, I watched that over the summer. That was great. But I don't know. It's, I don't think I could ever give a horror movie a five out of five unless it really scared me and I've been scared from a horror movie since I was like 13 uh, and that was yeah. some random movie on like Autopsy of Jane Doe that's uh, a great movie yeah. it's so the quality of the horror movie for you is dependent on how scared you are that wasn't a criticism that was yeah. a genuine criticism. <laughs> like that's your rate right <laughs> I'm genuinely curious uh, yes and no so in this one I don't really get scared anymore from movies don't lie yeah let me <laughs> No, but I think a story with it too, because although I did like how there wasn't, how we just got straight into it, I didn't mind that there wasn't a direct storyline with it. It just wasn't anything that I can write home about. It wasn't, <laughs> even though I sat up here and talked for 15 minutes about it, but it wasn't, I don't think I'd go back and watch it. Maybe just so I could, I think I'd go back and watch it just so I could remember like why I gave it a three. And I don't know, it just didn't like stick out to me. It's not it's not a bad movie at all. I'm not saying that much, but mm-hmm. I don't know, it just wasn't just it kind of felt like just another movie. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't say that. Well, uh, no, no, no. I'm entitled yeah. to my own opinion, but <laughs> Yeah, so you just but, it just didn't like affect you in like an emotional way. Yeah, it didn't yeah. it didn't Man, I watched the movie last night. It was amazing. Boy, that, Jojo Rabbit. And okay. that kind of stuck with me last that kind of stuck with me. So maybe I'm going off of I just watched a really great movie, and then I just watched something that didn't really like connect yeah. with me. Not comparing the two at all, yeah, but right. even that movie's like emotionally resonating. I feel like yeah, it's over like a heavy topic of uh, yeah, I made it a sad. Yeah, yeah, where this one's kind of more of like blood guts and you know teenage yeah. people just getting killed. So. Had there not been as much gore as it was in this one, this one would get a lesser rating. Mm-hmm. And I did like the ending as well. So yeah, yeah, I mean those are two extraordinarily <laughs> different movies. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's, I think you brought up a good point, though, or kind of like going off what we were talking about earlier, is like contextually speaking, like like what is your frame of mind when watching it? Like where were you when you were watching it? Like, yeah, I, know, I certainly know some films that may have spoke to me, like wouldn't speak to me so much later. And that's obviously also it's not, it's a huge like generational thing, like even between like our parents when they're like, oh, when I, you know, my mom's like, oh, when I saw The Mummy, but it's like I've seen it, I'm just like, yeah. 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 You know? And I think... Yeah. you see a lot of those kind of generational gaps and like evil dead is one of them between like me who might be a little bit older than you guys and be like oh yeah like that was part of the vhs era right mm-hmm. and you guys are going to have something that you've kind of gravitated towards and like have fallen in love with that like you might try to tell your kids about and then they're like barbie yeah yeah <laughs> or whatever yeah it might be you know because we're certainly still living through a lot of like still living extraordinary filmmakers right and we just i think sometimes we don't appreciate that because like it's always like oh the filmmakers of yesteryear or it's like when this film came out right what's your rating i would honestly give it a 4.5 out of 5 and only because of some cringe inducing scenes like 
because the romantic scene is like of them where it's like, oh, I got this necklace for you. And she's like playing asleep and everything. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, it's not charming to you. Yeah. Well, I can definitely, they're definitely, they're going for horror, but was it kind of bleeding to that kind of romance kind of thing? It's just kind of like, it felt like a video game. Have you guys played? Do you guys play? I do not play video games. I do not. Okay. There's a game. I forget. Oh my gosh. It's one of those until, until dawn. It's one of those. Dead by Dawn or <laughs> no, it's Dead by Daylight. No, it's, uh, uh, Dead by Dawn's the sequel. That's true. That's true. It's one of those um, kind of the same thing. Kids get lost in the woods and uh, they're just trying to find the right. I kind of, it kind of felt like that because they're all dropping off one by one. It's like a decision making yeah. game too. Yeah. So gotcha. you know, you go to this character, you can either go left or right, and that dictates if your character lives or dies. Yeah, but gotcha. I don't know. It just kind of felt like that. It probably was inspired by this movie. Probably yeah. to be honest, yeah, exactly. it was, but. I asked, I brought it up early. We'll make it quick because we're already at like an hour. Yeah, this will be the last thing. Yeah. Uh, we play a game when we remember, and I just so happen to remember today. Yeah. Drew is really good at remembering uh, movie, years. movie years, as he proved earlier. Yeah. So would you like to play our movie game? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I have, an, I have a movie, and I guess you could think of one, too. I'm god-awful at it, so don't expect much out of me. What year did the movie, let me make sure for myself, <laughs> Drew, I might defer to you to this one. You know the years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What year did Gangs of New York come out? Uh, I would have to guess. Now, <laughs> I mean, I know. I know. Obviously, <laughs> what? My yeah. guess. Oh. Let's see if I You go. <laughs> Two thousand two. Okay. Final answer. Yeah. I was gonna. I mean, obviously, you're right. Most, I, was, I would have said 2004, if I'm being honest. Okay, yeah, it was 02. Okay, yeah. what can I say? Yeah. Um, what year, man? I don't know. I, I just suck. I've won no like twice. Can't, no offense, can't. I know, but I know. You yeah. know, because it's not a competition. I stopped me like once, I think, and I was really upset about it. But uh, what Rob year? stopped you too. He did. He, well, he watched movies that no one's seen. So okay. Um, so what year was the movie? I think of movies that I'll give you an easy one. How about that? I'll right. give it what year was Friday the thirteenth made? Oh eighty? Eighty one? The final answer camp. I'll go or maybe it's seventy four. Don't overthink it. Don't know where that came from. I'll go eighty. Solid. Eighty. Yeah, but you were right. You're right. Oh, yeah. It's, okay, yeah, cool. Nineteen eighty. Great. Yeah. You have a movie. What year? What year did Evil Dead 2 come out? Do you want to answer or do you want to answer? I know already, I think, but... So we know the first one, depending on when, what year you're going off of, because they technically premiered it at, in their hometown, in their theater, so yada, yada, yada. But IMDB, for that's what we're going off, the official... <laughs> we're going off that, it's 1981. So then, when did the second one come out? And for extra points, when did Army of Darkness come out? <laughs> You want to go, or do you do you want me to go? Because I know all right. I, of course you do. You uh, know both of them. Yeah. Wow. I'll and, go. And the only reason is because I like when I was young, when I was first getting into movies, I'd watch it all on guide, and I would look at guide on the TV. Oh yeah. So oh. I would just see the year, and so right, right, right. I would just like memorize them yeah. that way. And that's is that how you know all these years? Yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah, makes sense. I don't know. It sucks. I'll give him. I might not be good at math, but what I can <laughs> do is tell you years. So I first found out he was good at it. I just randomly asked him like ten movies off the batches, this, this, and. You always got them. Let me think. Uh, I'll say 80. I wonder, or the first one came out in 81. I want to say 83 or 84. 
I'll go 83. Do you have a guess? Do you have a guess for Army of Darkness? Army of Darkness. That's the third one? Yeah. 80. I say 81. 83. Don't forget. 80. The, don't forget this didn't have the immediate uh, IP franchise success that we would usually see. The, so does that mean there's a maybe a bigger gap between? I don't know. I was going to say 87. <laughs> Um, it's not like Saw movies where it's every. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm referring to. I'll say eighty, or maybe it's all right, eighty-three for the second one, mm-hmm. and then oh god, oh three is like ringing a bell for me. <laughs> like for the set for the army, this usually takes a good portion of our- yeah. Let me just wrap it up. Uh, all right, so I'll go eighty-three, and then I'll go ninety-four. Okay, yeah, uh, I'll go eighty-seven and nineteen ninety-two. Oh yeah, They're, you're close on the second one. Wait, what? What you said? Ninety four is ninety two. Yeah. So I was wrong on both counts. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> you're closer. Uh, I'm, I'll never get it, but it's okay, Cam. Maybe maybe you should study the guide too. Maybe you, go you, back. You just like have nothing going on and just be me and just study with for, years. For what was the expression I used in pop culture? I'm an endless source of useless information. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Thank you so much. We appreciate yeah, you being on. Yeah, we had a great blast. Yeah, we had a great time. Hopefully, uh, you'd be willing to come back and yeah, talk absolutely. about some absolutely. movies. Um, but yeah, that's also uh, Rue is yeah. having a costume party next Tuesday. Or no, yeah. not two, two Tuesdays. Monday. No. So, oh, Monday. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's Monday, October 30th. So it's hosted by myself and our film communications class, Communications 3530. Um, so yeah, every Monday night we have a screening that's tied into the class and the topic of the week. So I just happened and intentionally, so, uh, scheduled our horror week to be that week. So Monday, October 30th and buzzard 1501, um, six o'clock there's pizza and candy and even dead. Yeah. And six thirty there's a costume contest, $25 gift card. And then at seven o'clock we are screening the original evil dead. Also, if you do have any interest in horror, <laughs> Teaching a horror class, which is a film studies course next spring called The Branches of Horror, which is basically an exploration into different uh, subgenres and movements within the horror genre and how they've affected us culturally, societally. Um, and we do the same thing. We'll watch a film each week related to um, the subject of the week. It's a lot of fun. Um, we watch a lot of crazy stuff. And so yeah. <laughs> I expect to see you both there. Yeah. I, I will be there. Cam, well, I know. I'm uh, talking. I'm trying to get my advisor. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to be in it, but I don't know. I gotta. I, I want to hey, get in. Might it. be offered next spring. Yeah, if enough people take. I want yeah. to. Yeah, because I love the film comp class. Yeah, was there? So it's, it's very similar structure. Yeah, I have the notes from. I don't know if you can see it. All the, all the movies we watched, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but well, yeah. Thank you so cool. much for being on. Yeah, here. thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's been a great time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that has been the Two Dudes Talking Movies podcast. We'll yeah. see you next week, uh, where we'll talk about another scary movie that we have not picked yet. Nice. But uh, we'll see you then, and have a great day. All right, peace.